Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm James Schofield, the creator of the podcast Behind the Bottom Line. This is a special holiday season story which I've written for you called Vixen. It comes in four episodes and has never been published anywhere else. Episode one today is called Home for Christmas. Meet Colin Sutherland, rich and successful with a loving wife and two adorable children. He's got everything worked out. Or has he? We'd like to thank you for flying with Lufthansa to Shannon Airport today. We wish you a pleasant onward journey and hope you have a happy holiday season. We look forward to welcoming you on Lufthansa again in the new year. As the engines died, there was the normal clickety-clack of seat belts being unclipped and overhead lockers being opened. As always, Colin Sutherland stayed in his first-class seat, reading his Financial Times, as the passengers from cattle class trampled past. Mr Sutherland, said the flight attendant, your car is waiting for you on the tarmac. Colin looked up and gave her his charming smile. Thank you, my dear. Could you just pass me my bag from the locker, please? As she stretched upwards for the slim leather briefcase, his eyes lingered on her blouse, moving only as she looked down again. Thank you. He paused to read her name tag. Julia, Merry Christmas to you. As his driver set off, he stretched out in the back and gave a little sigh of contentment. He was pleased to be back home for Christmas and relieved the rather difficult Frankfurt situation had been resolved. The situation had been a team assistant in the office, Yasmin Tilke, who threatened to go to human resources with a ridiculous allegation of sexual harassment. Yes, maybe he'd been a bit persistent in pursuing her at the beginning of their relationship. Yes, maybe he'd hinted that she'd get a permanent contract at the bank if she was cooperative. But that was all just part of the game, wasn't it? And how could he have been harassing someone who agreed to go with him for a long weekend in the Sud Tyrol? It wasn't like he locked her in the boot of his car. It was during that long weekend that he'd realised Yasmin was more trouble than she was worth. She took antidepressants and bored him during dinner with stories about previous disastrous relationships. So when he got back to the office, he instructed HR not to extend her provisional contract. There'd been a nasty scene when she found out about this, and that was when she tried to threaten him. But of course, she had no proof any harassment had taken place. Colin made it a rule in his little affairs never to be photographed or to write anything he wouldn't be able to show his wife. He could write a book about managing such things. Perhaps he would one day. Well, he thought Yasmin had seen sense after he'd explained this all to her. He'd promised to give her a good reference, which was funny because he only knew about her bedroom performance and he was never going to put that on paper. Eventually she'd nodded, dried her eyes, told him he was an asshole, and left. But that wasn't unusual. What was unusual was the woman police officer who came to his office the following week to tell him that Yasmin had gone missing. 
her family were putting a lot of pressure on the police to find her. Because he had been one of the last people at the bank to have talked to her, they wanted to know about her state of mind. She's mentally quite fragile, the police officer said. Her parents are worried. Colin was proud of his performance during the interview. He should have been an actor. Oh, that was terrible, he'd said. Her poor parents. Yes, she'd been upset about her contract not being extended, but, he'd explained, HR were going to write her a glowing reference. She seemed happy with that and perfectly calm when she left. I can't think of anything that we at the bank could have done differently, Colin said. Miss Tilke was satisfactory, but I felt, I mean, HR felt, it was time for her to move on. The police officer looked up from her notepad as he said that. He'd given her his charming smile and added just a hint of sadness to it. She finished scribbling her notes, thanked him for his help, and left. The countryside outside the comfortable BMW was now wilder, with only occasional lights from solitary farmhouses. The family house was on the far west coast of Ireland, near the sea. Shannon Airport was Colin's escape to Frankfurt, where he spent most of his time, only returning every second weekend and for holidays. His wife, Flora, hadn't liked him being away so much, but as he told her, the money he earned as an investment fund manager would allow him to retire at 40 and then think of the fun they could have. His 40th birthday had been five years ago. Flora had long given up asking about his early retirement plans. The truth was, he grew bored if he was too long in Galway and was glad to leave after a weekend. However, it was nice to visit and it was an excellent place to store his wife and two daughters, leaving him free to pursue other interests. As the car approached Oyster Bay where they lived, the roads became narrow and the driver had to go slowly. Near the entrance to the house driveway, Colin saw two bright eyes flash at him out of the darkness. A fox, he thought, probably after Flora's chickens. Maybe over the holidays he'd take a gun and see if he could shoot it though the girls, Daisy and Fiona, would object. At nine and ten they were still sentimental about such things. As the car stopped outside the house, his daughters ran out of the front door and jumped into his arms, squeaking with excitement and covering his face with sticky kisses. They'd plainly been eating bread and jam for their tea. He hugged them and carried them inside where Flora was waiting. He gave her a kiss, put the girls down, and tipped the driver who was following with his bags. Thank you, Michael, he said. Pick me up on January the 6th, will you? Normal time. I'll need rescuing from these rascals by then. Sitting down for some tea with the girls and Flora was the moment he liked best when coming home. They petted him, told him how much they'd missed him, and at Christmas there were the presents he'd brought to be added to the pile under the tree. Buying presents was something Colin... Buying presents was something Colin prided himself on. He'd picked out these ones together with Yasmin, he remembered. She'd been amazed at his enthusiasm for the task and told him he was a good father. He felt a slight pang. He may have been acting for the police inspector in his office, but it was 
A terrible thing to think of someone so young and alive being missing, maybe dead. He shivered. Time for bed, girls, said Flora. If you ask your father nicely, maybe he'll read you a story while I make our dinner. For the next hour, there was the normal bedtime ritual of pyjama hunting, teeth brushing, and finally a chapter of Winnie the Pooh. He did different voices for the characters which made the girls giggle. When he'd finished, he put them in bed, turned off the light, and was about to go when Fiona sat up. Listen, she said. From outside there came a strange wailing noise. The girls jumped up and put their heads under the curtains to look out the window. Look, Daddy, said Daisy, it's our fox. You can see her in the moonlight. Colin joined them, and there, walking along the low stone wall which separated the garden from a field, was a vixen. She turned and looked up at the window, and Colin saw her eyes flash at him, them, as they caught the light. She started visiting us recently. We put bread out for her on the lawn, explained Fiona. Your mother won't like that, he said. What about the chickens? Oh, Daddy, don't be silly, said Daisy scornfully. That's why we do it, so she isn't hungry and tries to eat the chickens. Isn't she beautiful, said Fiona softly, as the vixen sprang lightly down from the wall, trotted across the lawn, and picked up one of the rolls he could now see had been placed there. We call her Princess Jasmine, you know, after the princess in Aladdin. Colin jumped and pulled the girls away from the window. That's enough now, he said. Into bed. Downstairs, Flora was busy cooking. Will you pour us a drink, she said, and there are some letters for you on the table. He took her a glass of wine, poured himself a whiskey, and went to look at the post. It was mostly Christmas cards from relatives and a few credit card bills but at the bottom of the pile was an envelope with a German stamp on it and no sender address. He paused for a moment, suddenly nervous, then tore it open. Inside was a picture postcard, but with no written message. It showed the hotel he had taken Yasmin to in the Tyrol, the Hotel Dolomiten. Outside in the field beyond the garden, the fox screamed once into the darkness. Did you enjoy that? Then make sure you subscribe to Behind the Bottom Line so you don't miss the next episodes. And please recommend it to your friends and give the podcast a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Until the next episode, this is James Schofield saying goodbye. Goodbye.